I'm still fighting that of like, if you can just get to a certain point that there's like this destination that you arrive to where it's like, the only destination is like, we're in it. Like this is life. Like, you know, this is water. You can't just like keep running to like the grave, not to be like morbid. Like this is it. Like enjoy it. This is the journey. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Today's We Are LA Tech podcast episode shout out goes to Abel Hernandez. Abel Hernandez, thank you so much for engaging with us on the We Are LA Tech Instagram. We appreciate you. Be sure to say hello to Abel Hernandez on Instagram at Abel Product. That's A-B-E-L P-R-O-D-U-C-T. Tell him you found him via We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. This is going to be a little bit unusual, a personal spot, but I've been really working on triggers. So I don't know if you've heard the term triggers before, but it's interesting when we find ourselves, when I find myself getting flustered over something or, or feeling very like immediately afraid or jolted or angry or frustrated or whatever the emotion may be, instead of just thinking that the situation at hand, like I guess what we try to do as humans, I know what I do is I end up perceiving that situation as though that situation is doing something wrong, right? But actually, those emotions are indicators that something is going on on a deeper level. And this affects our team management. It affects how we communicate with our peers, how we communicate with others, how we show up to business deals. Like, it really affects stuff. So it's important for me, for us, to take a moment when we have one of those triggers and really reflect where is this truly coming from? Like what's truly happening? What's truly upsetting me right now and causing the creation of this perception? And how can I resolve the core of it in order to show up in a light, abundant, magnetic way in order to do the business and do the deals that I want to do, that we want to do? And so that's just something I've been reflecting on a lot and doing my best to take ownership of of when I'm freaking out and let the person that, that I'm dealing with know, like, hey, like, this is why I'm showing up this way. Like it, it takes a little bit to be vulnerable, but I just choose to live my life that way and just say, hey, I'm showing up this way because of this, this, and this, and I really appreciate your understanding. And sometimes the situation in hand isn't as bad as we seem and no one's trying to hurt us. And sometimes, yeah, the, we need to get a certain situation out of our lives, but it's important to understand our own truths so that we are in control and we can do something about it. Anyway, I hope that helps you a little bit. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. 
podcast spotlighting LA tech talent and companies. So excited for our next guest coming at us from Santa Monica. Welcome, Aiden. Thank you, Esprit. I'm fired up to be here. This is this is super fun. What a great Friday. I'm so excited. Okay, so Aiden and I actually have a secret from all of you. We have been having a conversation <laughs> that we just kind of got lost in that our amazing champion hero editor, Corey, is going to figure out how to edit it in. So Corey, I will let you take creative control of how you're going to edit in our candid conversation. But we're going to dive into Aiden getting to know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. And at some point, Corey is going to creatively finesse the rest of our conversation into our new, more formal conversation. I love it. Yeah, we just vibed out for like, what, the past 40 minutes, just having a great conversation. That was so fun. We were talking about, I guess, I feel like we were talking about infinite success. Is that a good way to describe it? Infinite success and just like how you view yourself in that trajectory. Yeah. I think it was powerful and I think it was something that a lot of people will resonate with. So I'm excited to share. But to kick things off, Go ahead, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I guess I'll share like an overarching like belief that I have and that kind of drives everything, which is like I believe like science and technology when applied to like with startups can like dramatically improve humankind, solve problems and like make the human race more prosperous. And I work for a biotech startup. We're trying to solve the organ shortage. And in my spare time, I invest in startups that I think are going to improve the world. So I love that. And it also sounds exactly like what tech was intended to be and what these days is becoming like a little bit murkier because it's also being used in like digital addiction and things of that nature. So how would you recommend we continue to foster technology for an act of positivity and push out the stuff that isn't good for us. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, let's, we got to focus on like real problems and somewhere around we got too into like startups and creating value and these like little like uh, SaaS companies. And I remember like a couple of years ago, just being so like frustrated with like everyone wanting to work on like machine learning or SaaS or blockchain this. And I was like, is this like really like helping anyone's lives? Is this really like going to make like the world better for our kids and grandkids? Like, is this like really like a problem that we need to solve? And that's what like attracted to me about biotech was like, we are literally developing medicines to save people's lives. Like people will die because they can't get a kidney. People will die because they can't get access to a cancer medicine. And being in their startups that are doing this. So when I like learned about like the robustness of the biotech industry of creating medicines, where we're at in the field right now, I was like, wow, like this feels like something that's worth working on. And that's like why I got into like that sector. I'm so taken by your sincerity to like want to do good in the world. Like it's amazing. When did you first get into bioscience? Like what led you down this pathway? What's a bit about your history? I'll give like the full personal story because why not? Um, So there was a point when I was 18, I was like all over the place, like just like a reckless juvenile, you know? And then I had this moment where I actually like crashed my car 
and went to Israel. And I was like, I have one life, like I got to do something with it. And I got really into like reading sci-fi books and physics, like an entire summer, because like, I didn't really leave my house that summer before school. And I realized like, wow, like we are in such an interesting time to be alive over the course of all of human history. Like there's so much we can do. And I just kind of was like, I want to like have an impact and change the world. And like, so going into like college, I had that perspective, like I'm here to like learn and figure out what I need to do so I can have like a global impact. And so like that started out with like wanting to get into like space and doing physics, but then it quickly pivoted to like neuroscience and seeing the brain as the final frontier and wanting to work on like medicine because it felt like it was going to like make a difference in like saving people's lives more than like space was. I was just interviewed on the Danny Miranda podcast and he, we were having a conversation at some point I, I said, the brain is the goat. And I, the brain is the goat. Like, we're nothing without our brains. Totally. And it was like such a trip being in neuroscience class. Like, you're like, we are brains learning about brains. Our teachers, like, don't really know what they're teaching us, but we're trying to figure it out. Like, it's like such, like, it's such an exciting field of research, like figuring out what makes all of us work. And yeah, I, I, I love studying it. And are you from L.A.? So I'm from Seattle originally, went to school in Boulder, and then moved to New York, and I just moved to L.A. What attracted you to L.A.? I mean, quite frankly, the weather. Um, but what's made me really happy here is like all the creative and energetic and people that I've been like interacting with since I've been here. It just has such a special energy about this city. And I'm like, as the people say, long L.A., like there's just there's something going on here. So I'm excited to see like I think there's going to be a lot of unicorns, a lot of good startups, innovation, like good like it's just a it's a really awesome place right now i've said this on a ton of episodes that i actually think la post-pandemic will be a lot stronger than la pre-pandemic i also see that a ton a ton of gen z is moving to la and they're just like let's go i'm like great energy love it so i i agree with you that i think la is just gonna skyrocket forward especially now that people can relocate and move around why'd you pick santa monica like if somebody's moving here it's overwhelming there's so many different places to think about why santa monica well, I think it, like it has like beach access, so that was like a huge priority. It's kind of like a little bit city-like as opposed to like maybe in some more residential areas. And so that's kind of like what attracted to me about like Santa Monica. So normally we we go uh, in a deeper dive about your company. And so I don't know how much you feel comfortable sharing, but like when people think about you, when they're listening and they're thinking about possibly reaching out, what should they be thinking? Should they be thinking about, you know, bioscience? What should they be thinking about to reach out? Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm happy to talk about eugenesis, like we're a biotech startup. But I would say like in terms of me personally, like biotech is like a huge thing that's important to me. And then like startup investing is something that I've got really into over the last like two years or so. And then like writing productivity and just like connecting with awesome people. Like that's like those are like kind of the three buckets or maybe those four are, buckets. Those are pretty good buckets. Yeah. yeah so tell us more about Genesis. Yeah. So Genesis is, uh, was founded as a Harvard spin out to solve the organ shortage. And we are currently preclinical and we've raised about $250 million so far. We're about 80 employees. And there's just very few people uh, tackling uh, what we're going after. I mean, there's 100,000 people on the organ shortage, 90,000 or so are 
uh, kidneys. And so that's our, our lead program is kidneys. And people think, oh, isn't there dialysis for end-stage renal disease or kidney failure? But people don't realize that dialysis is actually, you have a lower likelihood of living out five years than if you have most forms of cancer. So it's not really like a long-term therapy and there's nothing that's coming down really the pike that's going to like address this. And the problem is only getting worse. And so we're, it's just a massive unmet medical need. Now, did you find Genesis when you were in Seattle or in, in Colorado or, or I should say in Boulder? Or did you find Genesis once you were already in LA? So when I was in New York uh, after school, I was there for a few years. I was doing PR for small biotech startups and eGenesis was one of our clients. Um, and so that's why I first heard about them. What an interesting combination. And so tell me more about your role at Genesis. Yeah. So the way I think about it is like science is this really complicated thing. That's what I studied, but I always knew I wanted to be more on like the business communication side of science. I never wanted to like go into the lab or be a doctor. Science needs to be communicated. We should all be passionate about like how science can improve our lives. Right. I mean, even just like electricity or running water, like these yeah. are all things that science has created. And I felt like in biotech specifically, there was this revolution happening with sequencing like the genome and gene editing. And I just wanted to be at the forefront of like talking about that. And so how have you plugged into the LA tech community since you've been here? Yeah. So I guess like, first off, I feel like I plugged in like pretty quickly. So I went to Dominate, which is a workout on the beach yeah. and it started by this Australian guy that was trying to make the world a healthier, fitter and happier place. And I just like loved the workouts. It was like my most like happiest thing that I was doing when I was just getting settled here. And I got to know like the founder and how he built the company. And I was like, I'm going to invest in this company. So that was like my first like <laughs> angel angel investment in the Dominate. No and way. I, I go four times a week. It's like such an amazing vibe. They're trying to create mini health and wellness festivals and just like it incentivizes me to work out more. So it's just like so much fun. It's like so much positivity. And so I, I love Dominate. And, and shout out to Ian. Ian, uh, I can't remember how you say, is it Ke Kendall? Is that yeah. His last name? Yeah. Am I remembering it right? Ian yeah. is he's my fave. Like yeah. he's one of the most heart-driven, pure, sincere humans ever. Yeah. He's such a good guy. It's like how you can have so much positivity. Like that's what makes it so easy to keep working out dominate is like people like Ian because they're just like yeah. good energy. So he's it's like, like he says, How good is it today? Like, how good is this? And yeah. he's like, just look around. Life is so good. Life I'm is like, so All right, good. Man, it's yeah. so good. I want what you have. Yeah. Life is <laughs> life is so good. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like another startup based here is uh Zeal Energy. They're doing uh charging uh, electric vehicles. They went through the LA Clean Tech uh, incubator. Um, they do happy hours like every week at their HQ. It's just like, and they're such a great community around them, close friends of mine. And yeah, I would say like those two companies as kind of how I plugged in. And then like, I'm super entrepreneurial. So like, I always love connecting the founders and just hearing about their startups and stuff like that and seeing how I can help. I'm curious, as we kind of ebb and flow in and out of pandemic life, like, has it been difficult to plug in during the pandemic? Or do you have any suggestions to people, way that, ways that they could plug in? And then on the moments where we're not in pandemic living, what should we be doing then? It's like, it kind of like keeps going back and forth. Yeah. yeah well, 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 first off, get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, like that's step number, <laughs> that's step number one. But then like, 
I mean, for me, it's like, I think things are starting to like reopen back up for the people that are comfortable with it. I mean, there's the new mask mandates and we'll see how things go. Of course, things are starting to come back. And I think there's such a huge desire for connection right now and like in-person connection. Um, so whenever like things start to feel safe again, like there's just going to be so many different events. And I'm actually trying to plan an event, but just trying to find like a, a venue and making sure it's like still like okay for people to congregate like that. So I'm not trying to rush that. And are there any any other resources that you could think of or even like a restaurant that people should check out when they come to LA? Great White. I think that's like- Oh, the go- it's so good. It's so good. It's like yes. the go-to. I think I bring everyone there. It's like- Great I White can- in yeah. Venice. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And what's the food like? I mean, the type of food. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they have everything. Like you just, you can't go wrong. So I feel like Great White is like possibly coffees as well, but salads and like, and eggs, like that kind like healthy, light. Totally. It's got this Australian vibe to it. Everyone there is just so chill. Yeah. And you just, you just walk in, you just feel like instantly just like calmer and happier and just glad that you're there. So I highly recommend Great White. Yeah. I believe that Great White owns this place called Bondi, I think, in Culver City. I don't know if it's the same place. But anyway, yes, great recommendation. What activity do you recommend people just getting here should do? Volleyball. I think oh, there's like... Oh, that is good. Yeah. Yes, the beach volleyball in Santa Monica. It is like way too much fun. I think I was like smiling like a child yesterday playing volleyball with like eight people. And we were just laughing and diving on the sand. It's just like... You just feel like a kid. It's just like, yeah. And then whenever you can unlock your inner child too is like the best. And how do you get involved in the beach volleyball in Santa Monica? Because like when people come, can they just walk up and start playing a game? Yeah. So like we were playing the other day and we had like multiple people walk up to our game and we were like, awesome, come play with us. So I really think you could just go on the beach and just like stumble into a game. Awesome. So I want to get into your startup investing a bit more and how you got into investing. And I know that you're pursuing more in your writing. But before that, I'm sure with everything already shared, people may want to connect with you. Where can they connect with you? Yeah. So follow me on Twitter. I think it's A.G. Filchi. Um, you should be able to find me. Maybe there's a link somewhere. Um, can you spell it for everybody? Yeah. It's just A.G. and then F-I-L-C-H-E. Um, and Filchi, for those don't that don't know, is a word that I think my friends created. And it's all of their Twitter bios too. So you might see other people with it. Is this like a it. phase clan kind of thing? <laughs> I don't know what FaZe Clan is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like a YouTube gaming group. It's something that I think derived out of the the gaming world where everybody's FaZe something. I know somebody's going to tell me, Esprit, how can you not know what the whole FaZe <laughs> thing is? But so all your friends and you have the Fichi word in your hand. Yeah, the Filchi. Yeah, which basically, Filchi? yeah, it, yeah, which is pretty funny. It just means like something that's like super cool and unique. That's cool. I have a word for you. Pronoia. Do you know the word pronoia? No. It's the opposite of paranoia. And it means that everything's happening to benefit you. Ooh, I like that. So even if like your car breaks down and you're like, that really sucks. Maybe it leads you to like a drugstore because you have to make a phone call. And in that drugstore, you end up meeting your future partner or, you know, like absolutely is everything is happening for a greater good. 
Yeah, the the world's conspiring to help you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, any that's a good one. Okay, so let's get into your startup investing because you mentioned how you angel invested in Dominate. How did you get into startup investing? How do you even like look for who to invest in? Yeah. So I mean, I think like I said earlier, like I believe like startups are fundamentally like imperative to like improving humankind, and we need to keep investing in startups. I mean, so I think like the best startups to invest in are usually the deals that are hardest to get. If they're willingly like taking your money, you got to like, um, you should question that because it just means that like, maybe they're not like a super great company. No, like that's just like, so you just want to have a high bar for it. Right. But like, I mean, some of the companies I've invested in include like SpaceX and that was like a very convoluted way of like getting in. I think I have SpaceX shares. I'm not entirely sure entirely sure. I mean, startup investing is like this whole underground world, as like I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, of like how you get deal access and get in as like an angel investor. And then Carta is another one, which they do like cap table management and equity and stuff like that. I don't have like a stage or an industry. Like it's just innovation and startups broadly. So I'm across like this full spectrum. And how do you even become an investor? What are the steps? Because like, how long have you been an angel investor now? Probably about like, like two years, a year and a half, like anything, like you just do it. You just like find like a startup that you want to in- invest in and try to get access. And then you'll figure out how to wire money and sign some paperwork. You have to be accredited. Uh, like yeah. so shout out, you have to be accredited to invest yeah. in startups. Um, but if you're accredited, then you can just give people money um, and get equity in companies. And if somebody's making their first investment right now, other than what you shared, which I think is a pretty cool way to look at it, if it's too easy for people to take your money, then something might be off. Other than that, what's one huge lesson that you've learned, something that you wish you knew when you first started that would really accelerate someone forward? Yeah. Well, first off, I would say that like, I'm just learning, like I think I've done five startup investments now, maybe six, and I haven't got any money back. So just like, yeah, to be like, like, it's a very long game. Like this could take seven to 10 years. But I think the one thing that's important to know is like, do it with people that you trust. All of my uh, first few deals were like with people that like I really looked up to or were mentors of mine and they knew this was something that I was passionate about. So they brought me in. I would say that's the number one thing. Like as you're just getting started, just be around people who are have already done it before and they'll help you. And a lot of times the companies like don't work out. So there's so many times that I've spoken to investors that are like, people really need to understand that investing in a, as a startup is the, the odds of winning are very low. So what kind of like reality statement do you want to share with everybody? Yeah. As soon as you wired the money, you should think of it as going to zero. Like that's like a good rule of thumb. Like as soon as the money is wired, just like you could probably just say goodbye and you should go on with your life for startup investing. Yeah. Totally. And people who are listening right now that are like, oh my gosh, like, would he invest in me? Who should be reaching out to you for deal flow? Yeah, I mean, I would love to talk to like any founders that are interested in like, they have a business and they're they're raising money. I'm pretty picky, but like, I'm always down to like chat it up and talk. And like, for me, like, I just love like investing as a way to like learn about the world. And as a way to get to know startups, even if I don't invest, like getting to know you as like a founder and what you're building and like talking about ideas of how to help your company succeed is like why I do investing. So like that's what's most important to me. And are you comfortable sharing which range that you invest in? Like if it's like Super C or yeah, just so people have context. Yeah. So I've invested in companies from like the pre-seed stage all the way to like 
growth equity in the secondary market, like in the case for SpaceX and Carta, like we bought like someone else's shares in like two degrees removed to get yeah. like SpaceX shares. In terms of my personal check size, like it's pretty small. Um, usually we do SPVs, which are special purpose vehicles where like a bunch of investors pull money together and then we invest in the company. It's so cool that you even invested in SpaceX though. Like that's wild. I, th- I think I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's I mean, one that's of the, wild. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. One recent thing that really inspired me. I don't know if you know the Call Her Daddy podcast with Alex Cooper, and she. It was just. Um, I don't. I, just, I, think I just it was watched like, their episode on Colin Samir about her. Oh, rad! Yeah. yeah, I watched that one too. Yeah, yeah, she's so she's amazing, and I think she's really brave, and that's a whole. I would love to interview her one day, but like so. She went from essentially more or less broke, like not let's say she had a roof, but like didn't have money in 2018 to a $60 million deal just three years later. It's just your life can like dramatically just shift financially in all directions like Blockbuster. And so I think to to say that we have or to like assume that we have timelines is is really illogical. I guess. Yeah. Like the thing I would say on that too is like this idea of like being there is like a tough, like, like I, I hear you. Cause I feel like I got, like, I'm still fighting that of like, if you can just get to a certain point that there's like this destination that you arrive to where it's like the only destination is like, we're in it. Like this is life. Like, you know, this is water. You can't just like keep running to like the grave, not to be like morbid. Like, this is it. Like, enjoy it. This is the journey. Like, this is like what we're doing, you know? And that's something that I have to remind myself like every day, like to like, you're going to look back, you know, like five years, 10 years from now and be like, these were the good days, you know, because it was like in the moment and like just being appreciative of that. And like, like you said, things can change in a second and like your life can like dramatically change for bad or good. So it's like, might as well just be here now and like mm-hmm. take it for what it is. And I think like the, like the last thing is like from Eddie from dominate, I read one of his posts the other day and he said like, what would you do um, for the next 10 years? If you knew um, you'd still fail. Um, and it's like, if you love, and it's like, if you love what you're doing and it's like, you're coming up on your 10 years, it sounds like in podcasting and and you're still doing it and you're still passionate about it. Like, that's incredible. Like people, at least like from my perspective, if I found something that I was so passionate about that I could stick at it for nine years and just continue to do it. Like to me, like, that's like that's beauty. Like that's like, that's the point, you know, to find something that like, no matter what the external world puts on it, like you found something so internally to like your soul that you're like doing, like, that's like, that's, that's what everyone's searching for, you know? And it's like, if you keep doing that, like I feel confident good things will come. And like, that's like what makes the world go round. It's like people just finding their like thing and just doing it. So totally. And I do want to, because I like to be really transparent. I want to call myself out that like, It's been hard to podcast, especially during the pandemic. One of my favorite things about podcasting is my shows are always in person and they've all been remote. And you and I are right now on the computer. And to me, that it's just yet another computer meeting, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so taking away the human connectivity from podcasting has really like affected my 
joy in it. But even <laughs> before that, it's hard to even remember before that. But like, I think I was already kind of getting tired, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah. So I, but I was watching this other, I'm super into YouTube. I was watching this other YouTuber. I, I'm not, I don't know him well. I know he's very popular. It's something like Matt Diavella or something. I don't know if you're familiar. He's super popular. Probably one of his, I'm sure at least he has one fan listening right now. I barely know him at all. I just know he's popular and he talks about productivity. And I saw this week he had a video on being burnt out and he talked about like, what that's like. And I really appreciated that he talked about it because here you are with a quote unquote successful channel and you don't know why to keep going. And I'm like, that's wild to me because you're quote unquote there, <laughs> you know, and you don't know why to like, and, and then he talked about how he handled his burnout and why he, how he's gotten re-energized about what he's doing. I really appreciated the vulnerability. And that's kind of where I'm at where, well, what kept me going in the beginning was a raw excitement. Yes, just for the podcasting. But at some point, what kept me going is feeling a lot of, I always mispronounce this word, martyr, martyr, feeling like a martyr, like that I was so purpose driven, that like, it was really important for me because like, okay, there's nothing behind me. There's no law firm, no office space. I'm not trying to sell you something behind what I'm doing. I'm genuinely just aiming to connect community. And I love that that exists, period, whether it's me or not. Like, I just love that there is like this pure entity that exists with the sole essence of connecting community that for years, what led me both in continuing to connect and do the podcast for women in tech globally and for We Are LA Tech is just this like gratitude that I was serving a purpose larger than myself. I, I read the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl on how, he survived, the, why, how he survived the Holocaust. And it's to serve a purpose larger than himself. What was your takeaway from um, that book? Well, I think one of the biggest things, he quotes Nietzsche a lot. I'm a big Nietzsche fan. Um, but just like if you know like why you're doing something and, and like why you live or why to go on, like you can bear almost any how. And it's just like finding your why and being in tune with that is super important. Yeah, I love that. And so that kept me going for a few years. Now I'm at the block behind that. I'm like, all right, now I've served this new thing that was really exciting and I've served years of purpose and I've had all these epic life experiences. Why am I still looking at a computer screen all day long, all the time? Like I'm yeah. now I'm confused. I'm yeah. just being super real. And yeah, yeah, I love, I love that. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure you know this and I, I don't want to like, 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 I don't, I, I don't want, I'm just like trying to have a conversation, but I feel like yeah. I'm like, shouting out advice that I'm not warranted to give. Um, no, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't like this feeling. I've been feeling a similar way in terms of like, I thought I wanted to go down like a particular career path. And then I'm like, Oh, like, what do I really want to do? But like always flipping things like as opportunities. Right. Um, and like, this is like an incredible opportunity to like figure out like what doors next. Mm -hmm. And and it's like so hard to feel that way because you feel like lost, but it's like, it's all those age old sayings of like, it's always darkest before it's dawn. Like, you know, it's like whenever like you have to like go like through, like through this point where you're like super lost to like 
like figure out like what's next. And like, I feel like it's so true. Like as cheesy as it sounds, like whenever you're like in it, you're like, Oh, like, what am I doing? What's next? Do I still like this? And it's like, and I, I'm, I, I feel similarly like in, right now. And yeah. Like how do you shift your perspective to be like, this is such a blessing. Like this is like a, an opportunity to like, mm like for a new chapter and like when I saw Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, he like, um, he like talked about his life and his book, like, and he said all these different chapters and he was like to be young and to like still have so many chapters yet to be written is like such a privilege. He's yeah. like, now I'm like in my later years and like so much of my books already written. Like I only have a few more chapters to write, but like to have the blank page is the true blessing. <gasps> and, and it's like, Dude. Damn. Yeah. Yo, we should both drop our mics. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like full circle. It's like you got the blank page. Like I got the blank page. Like, like this is so exciting. Like one day we won't have blank pages. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and it's like a lot, but, and it's like, so how do you like sit down at a coffee shop and map that out? And like, how do you figure out what you want? Do you need to travel? Do you need to stop like doing yeah. something? Do you change up your yeah. environment? Change, you know, and then you got to figure it out. Yeah. That's fun. So you're getting into writing. So I've been writing or journaling like for like the last like eight years, but I just started publishing it online at the start 2021 um, oh, on, on, on Substack. And it helps nice. you like write more coherently. I'll subscribe. Yeah. Oh, that would mean so much. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but it's, it's nice to get ideas out there and just like, you know, like imprint your voice on the internet. Like there's so many people having the conversation. Like, I feel like you got to join it. I was dabbling with Substack. I, I'll probably like revisit a little bit. But when people would subscribe to me, I would create them a Loom video to say thank you so much for being a part of my journey and creating my Substack. And I actually got to know people like, and we we now have conversations and talk, even though uh, just in all like disclosure, I have not posted to my Substack. the people who have subscribed, I'm totally talking to. <laughs> That's so awesome though. I love how uniquely like you treat like your subscribers. I like am inspired to do something more. Now, it takes a lot of extra time, but I just don't view emails as an email address or an app sign up as an app sign up or what I like. These are all humans. Like Totally. With pain, but like they signed up for a, a reason that really matters to them. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I got like, yeah, like that's <laughs> su super powerful. You yeah. got it. It's a huge responsibility. Yeah. And also a lot of time, which is probably why a lot of people don't do it, which yeah. I, I completely understand. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like the idea earlier, like doing things that you know that you do for 10 years, even if it like didn't turn into anything just because like you do enjoy doing it or you're passionate about it or you care about it. Yeah. And like for me, I've had a lot of starts and stops over like kind of my entrepreneurial journey just as I dip my toes in things. But writing starting to become one of those things that like even though it's only been like seven months, I just like, it feels like something that I'm going to do for a while. And that feels really good. I'm in both Ship 30 and other writing programs. Like I've just been a writer my whole life. And you've been thinking about Ship 30. Do you have any questions for me that I could fill you in on? Yeah, so I've been like tracking Ship 30 remotely, just about like writing like 30 days straight in the courses. It seems really cool. 
Ship 30 is like they call it atomic essays and you write an atomic essay every day and which I have not, but I am going to get to my 30 by the time the 30 days are over. And I have to say, I felt very skeptical because it's like super cool in the tech world right now to be a part of Ship 30, which makes me be like, "Mm," like, I don't want to buy into hype. You know what I mean? Yeah. But being on the inside the information I'm learning about writing, and that's why I joined, is because I, I'm i a writer and I want to grow my skills as a writer. I am learning so much, like so much. And one of the people, one of the subscribers of my Substack was in Ship 30. So when I wasn't sure if it was right for me, that person helped me make a decision without bias. They're like, here are the pros, here are the cons, so you can know if it's right for you. Love that. It's really cool. (laughs) Coming full circle. That is totally full circle. Yeah. It's been really, really, really great. Like I'm learning so much, like so much. I'd say the one thing that was missing for me that I was really touched by in the last live workshop they did is I feel like in the tech, in the tech community, there's a lot of this, like everything's great. Everything's amazing. Everything like this kind of like power bro culture or something. And so I feel like as a community, we're missing a lot of vulnerability. And in the last live workshop, the guys who founded Ship 30 were really vulnerable. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Now we can get on the same page because I was holding on to my skepticism because I I just... I was like, not everything is perfect. Stop yeah, acting like yeah, everything is perfect. <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and it feels yeah. so refreshing when people are like, because you look at these people, you're like, wow, you look so successful and everyone, your Twitter following so big and your YouTube channel is all that and all that stuff. But it's like, everyone's human, you know? Yeah. And it's like, just remembering that simple fact and like, everyone's got you yeah. know, their thing. It's like, it's, it's, hel- it's helpful when people say it and it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like I was saying, like, that's one of the core things I look for vulnerability. Like if yeah. someone's vulnerable, it makes me feel like, all right, like that's the ship I'm trying to like ride on. Yeah. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? The last thing I would say is like dream big and then like dream bigger is like the last like Aww. little shorts. Like, like we're not dreaming big enough. Like there's a lot we can do. And then like also connect with people like love and like connection. Like with those two things, like I'm just like super bullish on humanity. So oh, I love that. Aiden, thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the LA Tech community, remember go to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. My name is Aiden Gold. I work for a biotech startup called eGenesis, doing investor relations. We're trying to solve the organ shortage. I'm based in Santa Monica, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production.